do for a long, long time is worship the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And you know what? Uh, your favorite football team might not win this weekend or the next weekend or the next one. But I can assure you this, Jesus has won it all. Amen? And he has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And friend, that, that's the reason you, you and I get up out of bed every day. That's the reason we continue on every day. Because we know that our Redeemer lives. And we also know that in this day and in this hour, and as, as crazy as it's getting, that every day is one day closer to lifting up our eyes because our Redeemer is coming. And our redemption is, according to Revelation, draws near. And so every day gets us one day closer to that thing, that time. And so, you know, I, you know I, that's a fact. That's truth. But in the meantime, we have to go through a meantime, don't we? We have to go through some, some stuff in the world. And we still have to deal with people. And we still have to deal with problems. And we still have to deal with bills and budgets and everything else that comes along those lines. And we still have to deal with car trouble, you know, and stuff like that. And things still tear up and stuff don't work in the house. Issues are always going to keep coming. And God's placed before us an incredible opportunity. Last week, remember, I shared with you, we're going through the book of Nehemiah. And if, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Nehemiah chapter 5. If not, we have, we'll have the verses up on the screen for you. You may pull out your phone and go to Nehemiah chapter 5. But listen, last week we talked about how our God is fighting for us. Our God is fighting for us. And we know that we fight under God, and we, and we know whom we're fighting under, and we know whom we're fighting for. And this Sunday, the Lord has given us a great word by the example of, of this guy by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, a little bit of history for some of you who might not have been here. He was uh, chief cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, the greatest ruler in the world at that time, the king of Persia. So he had a very important posi uh, position, but he was sent on an assignment way over back to Jerusalem to, to be the leader of helping to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem had been destroyed, the walls were down, and you know any city that is without its walls is not protected from the enemy. And so the walls had to be rebuilt. And that's what they're, they're doing, and they're getting to. And so today's topic is a little bit of a twist, but it's important for us to understand in this process. Because it's entitled, Being Generous As We Build. Being Generous As We Build. Now, what are some of the lessons we can learn from Nehemiah on this topic about being generous as we build? You know, probably the number one question I get asked as a pastor of Gratis Church is, when are y'all going to build your building? <laughs> I get asked that question more than anybody, or more than anything. When are y'all going to build? Okay, yes, we've got the land, we've got the sign up, and it says coming soon. And so... I, I know when you do that, you're, you're setting yourself up for that question. And you know my favorite answer. Some of you, you could probably tell me, what is my favorite answer to that question? Yeah. I think I heard it. When you write the check. That's my favorite answer at this point. 
when people ask me, when are you going to build? When you write the check. You know, I'm, I'm, I know how, I know I can put the team together to, to make it happen, you know, but the thing about it is, you know what, they don't give that stuff away just yet. I've, I've come to find out you've got to have a little bit of cash in order to do something or either have the credit to do it. And so we're coming into this time and season, and this is pretty, a, a pretty amazing topic because Usually the month of November, I speak on generosity anyway. And so God has worked it out to be in chapter 5 and let us see the example of Nehemiah and his example of generosity and how he dealt with the people. So let's look in, into this text and hopefully uh, those of you that have been going through it with me, you've already read it and you're already up to speed. But I'm, gonna, I'm going to go through this text, but I'm going to give you some lessons that I see that just jump off the page of scripture here this morning. And the first lesson is this one. Nehemiah heard the cry of the builders who were burdened down with debt. Nehemiah heard the cry of the builders that were burdened down with debt. You see, there were people there that were working on rebuilding the walls by their sections, by their families. And that was kind of the assignment, right where you lived at, that's where you built at. And so, remember, there was 30-something crews that are working on this wall we talked about a few weeks ago. So, a lot of these workers, remember, had come out of the Babylonian uh, captivity and under the Persian rule, and they were coming back into Jerusalem. And a lot of them didn't have anything. And so, Nehemiah heard the cry. And let's pick up in verse 1. It says, now, there was a great outcry of the people. And of their wives, ooh, you get the wives involved in it, and you're just going to make note. The wives are in on this, okay? And their wives against whom? The Jewish brothers. Now, that's what's interesting. This was an internal issue that is going on. Remember, the enemy had been attacking through Sanballat, Tobiah, and all those others. The outside had been attacking. Now we're getting to an inside issue that's going on. And guess what? It has to deal with money. For there were those who said, verse 2, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. So there's, there's one of the first cries. We're a people. We've come back. We're working on the walls. We are many. And, we, and, and there was a famine in the land. And they didn't even have the necessary means to provide for food. So that was the cry. And then verse 3, there were others who said, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses that we might get grain because of the famine. Now, folks, that's serious. When you have to begin mortgaging your land, your fields, your, your, your livelihood of the vineyard, and your houses, that's serious. When you have to start mortgaging those type things in order to buy food to live, that almost kind of sounded like the days of Joseph, doesn't it? When they were going through their time of that great famine and the people began to sell everything in order to survive. So this is what Nehemiah's hearing. He's hearing the cry of the builders. And notice, here's another one, verse 4. And also there were those who said, 
We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and on our vineyards. In other words, here was a group saying, we can't even pay our taxes. We can't even get ready for our Uncle Sam and IRS. We are having to borrow in order to even pay for the taxing. Wow, so there's, this is a great cry. This is an outcry. This coming, and Nehemiah is hearing all of this, and he's taking all of it in. Verse 5 says, Now our flesh is like the flesh of our brothers, and our children like their children. Yet behold, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters are forced into bondage already, and we are helpless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Wow. This is, this is a pretty dire situation here to where you have had to mortgage off everything and then now sell your daughters and your sons into bondage. Oh, wait, I'm going, wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute. Didn't, didn't these people just leave this? Didn't they just leave this in Persia in the Babylonian time and under that captivity, weren't they slaves there? And now they're over here at the city of Jerusalem, and Nehemiah is now the leader governor over it, and all of this is being put down on them by whom? Their own Jewish brothers who were ruling at that time. Pretty interesting situation. So here's my next point that I'm seeing here today. Nehemiah became angry at the rulers and nobles who were burdening the builders. Of course, he became angry. He heard that cry, and he, he was thinking, man, th they've just come out of this. And why are you burdening down your very own people? Why are you doing this to them? Verse 6, then I was very angry when I heard their outcry in these words. He was very angry. And so here's what Nehemiah does. He calls for a meeting. He calls for a meeting. We got a problem here. And you know, I'm, I, um, the old saying is, Houston, we got a problem. Anybody ever heard that one before? Houston, we have a problem. Why, is that, why did we even get that phrase? Houston, we have a problem because of being an astronaut, outer space travel. Listen, when you're in space and you got an issue, Houston, we've got a problem. Well, they had a problem. And unlike Houston, who just won the World Series, first ever, whoo-hoo, go Strohs, Houston got through their problem, and they got, they've been through some problems. They've been through the flooding, they've been through the issues, but they came in going Houston strong. But you know what? Nehemiah sees the situation here. He sees the dire circumstances. He sees what these people are doing, these nobles and these rulers are doing to the, to the Jewish brothers and sisters who are working on the building, and he calls for a meeting. But I want you to notice something. Before before he does that, Nehemiah first, he consults and he examines his own life himself. 
It said that it, right here in the, in the Word of God, verse 7, I consulted with myself. That's where he first started. I consulted with myself. And now, show, I don't want to show of hands. How many of you talk to yourself out here in the room? Okay, that's, that's right. How many of you answer yourself in the room? How many argue with yourself in the room? <laughs> How are you going to win that argument? All right? Well, don't we do that? It's better to not do it out loud, by the way. It's better to kind of think through that silently instead of somebody looking over there going, who are they talking to? Why are they angry? <laughs> Why are they? Well, Nehemiah consulted with himself first. And what he did was he did an internal examination of what's going on. And he had to see if his heart was right on this whole matter. What was, what was he doing? And was he going to lead by example, which we will see later? So he had to first, instead of pointing the finger at others, he consulted with himself, examined himself, and said, Listen, you've got to figure this situation out, and this is what needs to be done. You know, as a leader, sometimes doing... The right thing is not always the easy thing. And sometimes and most times it's the hard thing. But it's the necessary thing. And so, you know, the nobles and the rulers, they were the rich. They were the ones that probably had the most money to be able to back this building. To back everything. To make it go forward, the rebuilding of the walls and everything. But Nehemiah sees what's going on. And notice what he does. He examines, consults with himself, but then next, Nehemiah rebukes the rulers. He rebukes the rulers and the nobles. And he said to them, You are exacting usury each from his brother. Therefore, I held a great assembly against them, and I said to them, We, according to our ability, have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Now would you even sell your brothers so that you may be, they may be sold to us? And when they heard that, they were silent, and they could not find a word to say. And again I said, verse 9, The thing which you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations of our enemies? And likewise, I, my brothers and my servants, are lending them money and grain. Please, let us leave off this usury. Please, give back to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses. Also, the hundredth part of the money of the grain, the new wine and the oil that you are exacting from them. So Nehemiah rebuked them. And then here's my next point. Nehemiah pleased with them and he prays for them. And with, for a change of heart. Notice that a few chapters back, these were the nobles and rulers that, by the way, would not put their hand to the work. They were the ones that weren't going to lift a finger to help rebuild a wall. And so, and so this is a double thing. Here they were not going to help, and here they were charging <coughs> excessive interest. This word usury is not just the regular interest that you would charge someone, that you would loan them money. 
but it was excessive. And sometimes the scriptures, the word says it was up to 50% interest on some things. Very large. You know what was wrong about this? In the Old Testament, the law forbid for a, when a Jew loaned money to a Jewish brother to charge them any interest at all. The law forbid it. In other words, you lend it to them. If they were poor and they could repay you, great. If not, you just, you just wrote it off. You lend it out. But you did not charge them interest, and certainly you didn't charge this usury tax that was very extreme and high and was such a burden that people were having to mortgage things and sell things just to live. And so these are some lessons we're learning that Nehemiah addressed, and he dealt with the leadership and what they were doing. And notice he, he didn't, what I love about Nehemiah's heart here is he didn't pound them over the head. He used the words here, please, please let us leave off this usury. Please give back to them this very day their fields. I don't know about you, but that touches my heart. For Nehemiah to put out that plea and really it was, it was a phrase in, in some translations was, I pray that you, I pray that you. And so he was pleading and praying, come on guys, let's don't do this. Let's don't do it. They didn't have a word to say. You know why? Because they were guilty. They were guilty for what they were doing. And so he had exposed the issue. Now what's going to happen? We see the good thing here is this. The nobles and the rulers obey the example and the words of Nehemiah. Verse 12. Then they said, we will give it back and will require nothing from them. We will do exactly as you say. So I called the priests and took an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. And I also shook out, this is verse 13, I shook out the front of my garment and, and I said these words, Thus may God shake out every man from his house and from his possessions who does not fulfill this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen. And they praised the Lord. And then the people did according to this promise. So the nobles and the rulers, they obey the words of Nehemiah. And then Nehemiah gives them a visual. And he pulls out and he says, listen, if you don't do this oath, if you don't follow this oath, and you don't obey the words of this oath, God is going to shake you out of your homes. God's going to shake your possessions away from you. So the people took an oath before God. And boy, that oath was very, very important. Now... Being generous as we build. You know, and I, I'm, I'm leading into a lot of things right here in this text. But here's the thing. When we get ready to build next, next year, we're going to be having a, a capital campaign. And we're, we've already raised money for the land, but we never had an official campaign. But we're going to have a title for it, and it's going to begin in the first of the year. And we're going to have a campaign to raise the money to, to build for the kingdom. 
And as we do this, uh, I'm not going to ask you to take an oath. You know, people do the pledges, and yes, there will be pledges that will be given, but is it binding? Is it one to where I'm going to say, if you don't give the money that you promised, we're going to shake off everything you promised, and your houses and your homes will be taken from you? No, we're not going to do that. You hear what we're coming from? But what we need to do is we need to pray about what it is that God wants us to be generous about toward building for his kingdom. That's what we need to ask God. And we need to be serious about it. They took an oath. They, it was a promise. It was a word that they were going to keep. I know a pastor friend that started, and I've only done a few building campaigns in, in all my years in a church, but I know a pastor friend, he started out, and it was a three-year campaign, and he said year one into his, everything changed for him. And he had to restructure stuff. And that's okay. That will happen. But what's most important is having the heart, right heart and with the right attitude in, in the right giving at the time. But notice, can you imagine if you were one of those that was working over there very hard on your section of the wall? And you were one of those that had perhaps a child that was already in bondage. And you were one of those that were hungry and not really knowing where that next meal might come. Can you imagine how that person would have felt when they heard the words right here? Everything is taken care of. Everything is taken care of. The nobles and the rulers forgave everything and they released them. It's what they did. Boy, I'm going to tell you. I said right here, the burden was relieved and became a blessing received. That's what I got from it. The burden that they were under was relieved. It was paid off. It was forgiven. And then the blessing was received. That's why the scripture says, and they praise the Lord. How many of you are going to praise the Lord when a debt that you've been paying on for years gets lifted off of you? How many of you are going to praise the Lord? How many of you have already praised the Lord when you had something you've been working on and working on? Boy, there's nothing like Paying that last payment of that truck, is it? Or that car? Or that, you know what? They say the, they think the best day you, uh, you ever have is when you bought your boat. But then they go, no, the best day is when you sold that boat. All right? And or in this day, it could be that motor home, that camper that everybody wants and got to have. And then they go to the mountains and do all that. And then they go, man, I can't, I can't get rid of this thing. I'm ready to get rid of this thing. But you know what? When we come out under the bondage of a debt, whether that's paid for by someone else or whether it's forgiven, then there's reason to praise the Lord. Because I'm free. I'm free. We sung about it earlier, y'all. And you know, that, that was about the debt that none of us could ever repay. That was about the debt of our sin. 
that we had committed and our sins are many and great and our sin was placed on Jesus Christ and forever forgiven. That's what we sung about a while ago and don't take those words lightly. I'm free. I'm free forever. Amen. Death has been defeated and a new life has began. Man, I tell you what, I, that is a, is a great picture for us to parallel this to this morning in knowing that. The burden was relieved and became a blessing received. And finally, in closing here, I just want to give you a few things here at the end that I see in Nehemiah's life. And the first one is Nehemiah led by example in being generous. If you would pick up with me in verse 14, it said, Moreover, from that day I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah. And from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, for 12 years, neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. In other words, there was an allowance that Nehemiah was supposed to receive along with the people with him that had come over with him. But he chose not to receive it. He chose not for that to be a burden or a tax among the people. And notice this, verse 15, But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine and besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants dominated, domineered the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of the Lord. There's Nehemiah's motivation right there. Verse 16. I also applied myself to the work on this wall. Now that's what we can learn from Nehemiah's example. He not only said, I'm not going to be a burden financially to these people by receiving this allowance. I'm going to get out there and get my hands dirty as well. I'm going to work on my section of this wall. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to supervise. But he, he kept and he applied himself to the work on this wall. These are some of the greatest lessons for leadership that we can teach. In fact, the book of Nehemiah is a book on leadership. How to effectively do right leadership. I tell my staff this all the time. We lead by example. We lead by example. And servant leadership is the greatest example. That's what Jesus demonstrated. That's what Jesus modeled. And that's what Nehemiah's doing. You know, I always tell people, I, I, I would, if I went to a church and I saw the parking, best parking space was for the pastor, I would question the motive. You know why? Because I've been taught, I've been taught that depart the furthest away. So that everybody else can park a little bit closer. And who, who knows who might need that parking spot. But that's just been the way I've been taught. Why? Because it's modeling servant leadership. And never ask your people to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. Never. And so that's the one thing. And some, uh, some people wonder... How can I ask you to come and help set up? Because I come over here and help set up. How can I help you to come? How can I ask you to come over here and do something over here? It's because you're going to find your leader over there. 
And you know what? If I were to just ask you and not show up, what would you think about your leader? What would you think about your leader? What do you think about a leader that doesn't show up on work on time? What do you think about a leader that leaves early at 3 o'clock and doesn't stay till the whistle blows? What do you think, other if they got a good reason, okay? So you might want to, before you judge it, you might want to know. But I'm talking about patterning leadership principles. And that's exactly what Nehemiah was doing. Nehemiah led by example by being generous. It wasn't that he had to, he wanted to be. He wanted to be generous. He wanted to be a blessing. He wanted to not take all of this. He wanted to be out there helping. And he says, verse 17, Moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews and officials besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. He was taking care of that many people. And guess whose pocket it was coming out of? It was coming out of Nehemiah's. He must have done pretty well at some point by being the king's cupbearer, but who knows? The Lord had blessed him. In verse 18, he says, Now that which was prepared for each day was one ox and six choice sheep. He's talking about the provisions. Also birds were prepared for me. And once in ten days, all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the governor's food allowance because the servitude was heavy on this people. Nehemiah led the Jews and the nation of Israel at this time by example and by his heart of generosity. And so I can tell you this, as my heart in moving forward to do a, a campaign, I'm going to be praying about as how generous can I be, Lord? How generous can I be in this campaign? What needs to be cut? What needs to be reevaluated? And do you know why? It's not, my final point is bringing up the reason Nehemiah did this. And it is not to get man's approval, but it's only for you to see what Nehemiah said. Nehemiah was only concerned with God's recognition and with God's approval. Verse 19, Nehemiah says, Remember me, O my God, for good, according to all that I've done for this people. Now, you might, when you first glance, see that verse or read that verse, you might think Nehemiah's boasting. No. Nehemiah's not bragging here. He's not saying, oh, Lord, remember, hey, look what I gave, look what I've done, look what all I've done here. You know, we're not, we're not going to have one of those moments in, in a church to where, hey, I, I gave 50,000. Oh, no, that's nothing. I gave 100,000. You ever been in those? <laughs> it's not going to be like that. What is the deal here is that Nehemiah knew he had only one that matters. Only one who really knew the ultimate meaning of being generous. And that's God. And he says, Lord, remember. Remember me. Remember me. And I can assure you, God remembered Nehemiah's generosity. God remembered it. And God honored it. And that's all that matters. And so when you and I get ready to 
be generous as we build. Don't worry about what your neighbor's going to do or others are do. And hey, there's some of you going, hey, listen. Man, I am in so much debt, I don't even think I can give. Hey, you're free. You're free. You're released. There's no burden on you. It's, you give in order to be a blessing. You hear where I'm coming from there? You hear the heart of God in this message here? God just, he just wants us to, to love him and do whatever it is that he wants between us and him. And that is all we're accountable for. And then guess what? When we're generous in doing that and leading us leaders, leading by example, then guess what? God will work in other ways out here than we can hardly ever imagine. And who knows what God's going to do? Because I've already seen what God can do to some extent. And he's going to finish it. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the reminders of your scripture.